In today's quest, we meet the man who inherited the curse of Amalasintha's death. The Gothic War has begun. This is the quest for power. Welcome back to the Quest for Power, where we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. We are Scott and Michael, and we are your fellow history nerds in arms as we go back and we tackle the power struggle for Italy and the Ostrogothic crown. And like always, like us on Facebook and Instagram at Quest for Power Pod or email, email us at questforpowerpod at gmail.com. So now with all of that uh, introduction, business, liking us, hollow blue out of the way, Michael, you've been, we, we haven't spoken. In I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like once you have another human being in your household, like all your time just goes away. We went from speaking to each other, what, every other day to <laughs> when we do this and D&D now? God forbid we have lives. <laughs> I know. Awful, awful. So yeah, I have uh yeah, I've been taking care of a lot of diapers. That's been that's been a lot of what I've been doing. Yeah. I... <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. And have you have you uh been able to sleep? Yeah, actually surprisingly, yeah. Well, I, I since I have to work and my wife does not, she lets me sleep throughout the night, which is very, very nice of her because she does yes. not have to do that. Not every not every couple is that way. But then again, I will take the role more during the day and stuff like that when I'm off of work, you know, yeah. To, yeah. to give her a load. So it as all will as... even out eventually. We'll figure it all out. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So. so what have you been up to? Uh, uh, concerts? Like, man, you're living the single dream. I I definitely am. I went to like two concerts, which is actually, it's funny because they're like clashing um aesthetics i guess or genres so i went and uh saw john mellencamp uh so when you told with me that i can't believe that he's still touring yeah he's uh 71 as it turns out and you you wouldn't like know it looking at him he looks like i was like oh my god he's 71 like he looks and like sounds and like moves like really well for 71 so really great, really great show. I did not know like half the songs because like, I don't know. It's not like I'm an avid <laughs> Melon Camp person, but I knew at least like a few of the songs. So, but genuinely just like a really fun show anyways. So that's always really good. cool. And then I saw Insomnium. So more of a metal uh, concert like later in the week. So definitely a metal name. What I've never heard of them. Yeah, the metal atmosphere. They are um, like I'd feel like that they and this like might be like simplifying or like maybe talking them up a little much. But I feel like their guitar work, like they they have a lot more intricate work uh, with like they focus on like guitar centric stuff. But like honestly, the guy's voice is like really great. Like he's got like the the vocalist has got like these really great like. Uh, like, you know, like these, like the growls and stuff like that. Oh, yep. Yep. Does it really well. So 
it's a really awesome, fantastic show. This is the third time I've seen them. Oh, so, that's cool. That's yeah, they, really this cool. is the second time I've seen them headlining. They, but they, they've I've seen them as opening for another act before. So they're really, really good. Wow, uh, that's big that's fan. awesome. Did magic tournaments this week too. So I've had a nonstop. So uh, yeah, we didn't even have D and D last week like we were supposed to because you were at the concert. Was yeah for that reason? Yeah, concert. Yep. Yeah. So oh, so busy life. But now we are uh you know going to turn our time uh time turners back yeah to like a oh. long time ago where things didn't move quite so fast yes uh yeah we're we're gonna go all the way back to what some people call the dark ages some people call the early middle ages we're just gonna say during we're gonna go back to the ostrogothic kingdom uh before we start we're going to, of course, we have to go through our sources. We have the histories of Procopius from the Roman point of view again. He writes all about Belisarius's and Justinian Glorius's feats. I don't know if we've gotten Procopius yet, um, but he is now writing about the Gothic Wars. And uh, so it's really kind of interesting because he's sometimes there at the war and sometimes not. And I don't always remember when he is there and when he is not. But there's a whole... When we go into Justinian's reign, there's a whole set of politics that just go on over in Constantinople that just have ripple effects over here in Italy. But uh, what's really funny is he writes all pro-Roman for a while, and then for, and then at the end of his life, he writes an entire book bashing Belisarius and Justinian and his wife Theodora. So <laughs> the truth is yeah. in somewhere. And then, since we're doing the Goths, we have our Jordanes or J Jordanias, as some other people have called them. Jordanias sounds more fancy, so I guess we can go with that. All right. Um, but without further ado, previously on the quest for power, after the great Theodoric the Great passed away, the title of the King of the Ostrogoths in Italy passed to his grandson, Athalaric. Ethel Athalaric, being a minor, made his mother, Amalasuntha, queen regent. While regent, she made good relations with the powerful Eastern Roman Empire, uh, powerful Eastern Roman Emperor Justinian, and, and uh, really was stable during her reign. Unfortunately, when Athalaric was still not, of, not able to rule because of his age, he decided to pass away and his mother became the first queen of the Ostrogoths and of our podcast. Uh, besides, well, the first one that we dove into besides uh, who, who was the other one? It was, um, um, you know, uh, it was, uh, Gala Placidia. Oh yeah. When she was with, Oh, I guess we've had a couple of Queens. Yeah. Yeah. But none that we like, I don't think really had much of like dedicated. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too much on the sources. I think Gala Placidia, there's quite a bit. We could have gone a whole thing on hers, but that was towards like a Roman storyline that didn't really mess when we were doing with the Visigoths. So I just moved past that. Maybe that could be a Patreon episode down the road. But uh, unfortunately, back to the story, since uh, Malasuntha was a woman, she needed to promote a relative named Theoda had to be a co-ruler with her. 
And soon after that, she was imprisoned for her niceness of, you know, promoting him to co-ruler and then later strangled to death in her bath. And that is where our kingdom is at when we take over. So, in her place is Theodahad the Forgotten of House of Mali, King of Italy and the Ostrogoths. It's another Theo name for you, Scott. Just, you know, just add it to the pile because we got, what, like six? Theodoric the First, Theodoric the Second, Theodoric the Great. In Theodoric the Great's episode, we had Theodoric the Squinter. In Alaric's episode, we had Theodosius the First. I think we had Theodosius the Second. So that's six that I can come up with off the top of my head. <laughs> Theodahad was born in Teresium, uh, which is today in North Macedonia. It's north of Greece, that area. Um, his mother was Amalafrida, and her first husband, whose name, ironically, we don't know. It's kind of funny. This time, we know the mother's name, but not the father's name, which is kind of funny. Um, the reason we know the mother's name is, is if you remember, she became queen of the Vandals and wife of Vandal King Thrasamund. And she happened to be the sister of, you know, the Theodoric the Great. So she's going to be talked about a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, Theodahad doesn't really appear on the record until the child Ostrogothic King Athalaric dies in his youth. Uh, his mother, Amalasuntha, became queen, but because of the way this their society works, she had to promote Theodahad to co-ruler in an effort to legitimize her rule in the eyes of the very chauvinistic nobility that is of the Ostrogoths. Under what some assumed to be the direct orders of Theodahad, the nobility revolted, imprisoned the queen in 535 on an island in Lake Bolsena, located in Italy. Regardless if he did it or not, it was not really great for him. Uh, she was later assassinated in captivity, and that took over all influence he had over her power base. Unfortunately for Theodahad, she was later assassinated in captivity, which took away all influence he had over her power base. The ambitious Eastern Emperor Justinian used the murder of Malasuntha as a pretext to starting a war with the Ostrogoths. So in early 536, he made good on his uh, threat, and uh, Theodahad received some unfortunate news that the accomplished general Belisarius had landed in southern Italy and was now on his way to Naples. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Belisarius is the one who took out the Vandal Kingdom completely, so. Yeah, he did a lot, didn't he? Or, or well, or, or am I also thinking, it's kind of hard to also, like, think of, was he also the one um, who did the dream team with the, the Visigoths, or is that a different? No, no, that was General Aetius, that was a different one. I That was a way different time, if I recall. I think the West, yes, yeah, that right yeah yeah it's it's all like us jumping around between the different things and places and times messes with my perception yeah yeah the western empire existed then the western empire didn't exist when he went against the vandals so 
That's right. Yeah. It's been a long, if we haven't, yeah, we haven't done these in a while. So yeah. Yeah. It takes a little bit to kind of get the hang of again. Well, to remember, yeah, to remember. Yeah, I'll probably <laughs> you know, it's not like we're uh, taking a test. <laughs> Although there, you never know, there might be one at the end. Uh, <laughs> so this is the beginning of a very long and brutal war called the Gothic War, and this is going to last until the Ostrogothic Kingdom is no more. So we are going to be in this brutal, brutal war for a while. And according to Procopius, many locals flock to the Romans banner. He states, and then let's do the DM voice. Every day, the people of that region kept coming over to him. For since their towns from of old, been without walls, they had no means at all of guarding them. And because of their hostility toward the Goths, they were, what as was natural, greatly dissatisfied with their present government. And Abrimus came over to Belisarius as a deserter from the Goths together with all of his followers. So basically they're like saying that, you know, the the Goths, they didn't really, they just let all the towns go and they didn't even be, they didn't even give like their garrison to guard them and all that. But, you know, with the, um, Procopius is essentially bashing Goths at this point. He, keep in mind this is he is alongside the campaign he has accurate information but his spin has got to be ridiculously pro-roman at this point oh yeah well uh, i mean it, it's a pretty harsh attack when you're saying you're not protecting your stuff which is like the bare minimum function of government it, it's yeah i think it's the core tenant of government if you don't protect anything you're you know <laughs> yeah then, yeah then what are you right what are what are we doing here <laughs> yeah know? like it's really hard to secure the rest of your stuff without any military yeah so, or, or like you know whatever ideals or ways you think you ought to run things yeah yeah like even as big as expansive as our governments now the core purpose of them is to keep us safe if it's not there's no point of government you know that's literally yep. their job exactly uh so despite most of the towns leading to naples were undefended naples was garrisoned and it had supplies to outlast the siege long enough for help to arrive and in but fact who <laughs> Hopefully they're, you know, Ostrogothic counterparts that the king should be sending. Uh, but well, we'll um, see. while we while he was waiting while they were waiting for them to arrive, the local Jewish population bolstered the Aryan Gothic garrison because the Aryans protected the Jews from the Nicene Catholic persecution. <laughs> so it's amazing what happens when you know you don't kill people who have different views than you. Well, I think it was the uh, the killing of other people that caused this uh, alliance to well <laughs> pseudo alliance to form in the first place. That is that is probably uh, very true. If the yeah if the Nicene Christian Christians weren't uh, so gung ho, then uh, <laughs> they probably wouldn't have got, gotten along uh, in the first place. Yeah, yeah, but it's really interesting that like a you know a Christian faith is protecting like the Jewish faith against another christian faith that's just kind of <laughs> kind of backwards 
Yeah. But uh, not sure how many more times that'll happen. But... Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. <laughs> I'd have to agree with that one. Kind of a cool little thing in 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 the the history of this little uh epic we have. Yeah. The the city held out for like a short period of time until Belisarius found plans of an old aqueduct that allowed them to enter in the city through that aqueduct. And the Romans entered and in the ensuing chaos, they massacred the whole city just to show that they were the good guys bringing Catholicism to the area and restoring the might of Rome. Well, nothing screams good guys like slaughter. Yeah, yeah. Just just let everyone die inside. It's fine. No one can say you're bad if there's uh, no one left. That is true. That is true. As we learned in our last uh, D&D campaign. But anyway, or, <laughs> ep- or not episode, but session. After his victory in Naples... Belisarius easily moved up the Italian peninsula. He was constantly being supplied by the fleet that was going alongside it, and he had no resistance from Theodahad. Some of the sources say little to no. He had none. There was, I think he left the local people. The resistance was the local people fighting for, you know, their homes and their lives. Hmm. And so... This is becoming a big problem, right? We haven't heard anything that Theodahad has done in this time. The Ostrogoths and the other Germanic kings, like the Vandals, the Visigoths, their entire authority was based on the belief that they would protect and share in the spoils of war for their people. Theodahad wasn't exactly doing that. Uh, if Here's another quote from Procopius that states... Theodahad was not making the least preparation for war, by nature unmanly. The Goths who were at Rome and in the country round about had even before the fall of Naples regarded with great amazement his inactivity, because though the enemy was in his neighborhood, he was unwilling to engage them in battle, and they felt among themselves much suspicion toward him believing he was betraying the cause of the Goths to the Emperor Justinian of his own free will and cared about nothing else. I love how the the phrase of the great amazement at its inactivity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, we are impressed at how he is doing nothing at this point. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say that the last part about him betraying the Goths to Justinian is just character assassination. He clearly sucked at war, but I don't think he was outright going to betray the Goths to Justinian. They also remember the sources claimed that Malasuntha's downfall was because she was, you know, it was suspicious that she was plotting to give it over. I'm starting to believe that that's not a thing. And then it's just what the Romans just want to make up. To make themselves, you know, make the Goths look like traitors, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, don't make it make gotta make yourselves not feel bad about, you know, taking over stuff. Yeah, burning, you know, fields and cities and towns. His inability to mount even a feeble resistance gave Amalasuntha's son-in-law Vitigus enough power to declare himself king, or rather the nobles elected him king because they had nobody else to turn to. Theodahad wasn't doing shit. 
His first act as king was to order a goth named Optaris to bring Theodahad to him dead or alive. Optaris didn't feel like going through the hassle of capturing Theodahad and then having to bring him alive, you know, feeding him and transporting him in custody. So he just slashed his throat and ended the short, ineffective rule of Theodahad. That's it. That's the right. end of uh, Theodahad. <laughs> you ready to raid him? Yeah. Well, uh, we might be able to count his score on uh, both of our hands. Yeah, probably. All right. All right. Royal power. Malasuntha made him co-ruler in 534, and she died in 535. And he was assassinated in 536. So he really only ruled for about a year by himself. And a little bit of extra info. Again, we didn't, there was like no story with him. It was literally just the Romans were marching and he did nothing. Theoda had at the time his ascension, he was an elderly man. He preferred poetry and neoplatonic philosophy over matters of war this is why i'm not thinking that you know he was doing some elaborate plot to sell you know the goths over to justinian or that he even had anything to do with amalasuntha's death so uh positives he outlived his co-ruler amalasuntha and you know add enough power to imprison her if that's what he did um or the nobility did uh, negatives, he lost Sicily over half of Italy. He let Naples be massacred and didn't attempt even some sort of resistance against Belisarius and the Romans. Yeah, pretty, pretty awful. Yeah, um, I see nothing. I, yeah, I, I, I can't say a fat zero. Yeah, I can't me. give any points. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that his ability to order an assassination could have been done by any other royal in his uh relative position yeah he was there because it was convenient exactly yeah if anything at least in my opinion he was probably elevated to that position in the first place as a co-ruler because he was probably seen as weak that is probably very good chance of that yeah smart queen less smart uh king co-ruler <laughs> sounds like a way to you know try and be a ruler without having a without being interfered with yeah yeah so all right zeros so, all around all around total of zero off to a great start all right infamy all right so aggravating factors he may have had a part in Malasuntha's imprisonment and death we have discussed at length in Amalasuntha's episode why we don't think that he had anything to deal with her death. Um, basically, for those who didn't listen to that episode, Justinian had more to gain than he did. In fact, he ha had uh, power to lose if she were to die. Mitigating factors, I like we said, I can't give him credit assassination. I He did nothing. I have to say yep. zero. Yep, same here. Zeros all around. That's another easy one. Yep. All right. All right. Religious passion. 
He did nothing to advance the church. He there was no stories of his piety. He liked poetry and philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> really uh it's another whopping zero. Yeah. Zeros all around. All right. Stability. So during his rule, <laughs> there was a coup d'etat against this co-ruler. So you're already starting up, you know, stable. And then Rome was creating enough problems, you know, they were just waltzing in the kingdom <laughs> like they owned the place. Yeah. And it was falling apart during his rule. I mean... <laughs> yeah, we didn't even really need to talk about this one. No, More zeros. Zero. <laughs> All right. Uh, royal demise. So he was killed for the throne. I guess that's something. Uh, <laughs> that's a point, maybe? I'll give him a point. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean... I guess I'll give him a point. He, he didn't because he, he died by being assassinated. And that's, yeah. uh, I mean, not not particularly great, but yeah, at least it's something. Hey, he got a point. Good for him. I really thought he was going to be the first zero. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if he gets anything in the last category. Legacy. So for the dynasty aspect, he had a wife named Gudiliva. And they had a son named another Theo name, <laughs> Theo de Gisclo. Let's see. Theo. Theo de Gisclus? I'm going to call Gisclus. him. Gisclus? Gisclus. I don't know if you use the J or the G, J sound or oh, G Theo, sound. Yeah. Theo de, Theo de Gisclus? Uh, Gisclus? Or for... Theo de Gisclus? The, the spelling is T-H-E-O-D-E-G-I-S-C-L-U-S. If someone wants to tell us how to pronounce that, wonderful. More power to you. And then he had a daughter named, because, you know, we don't have enough Theo names, Theodinatha. And nothing <sighs> further came out of his dynasty. Okay, sorry. I was trying to see if I could Google how to pronounce. I figured. Um, uh, okay, so he had kids, but and that's it. That's it. We don't know. Nothing really came out of them. Uh, speaking of dynasty, though, he is the last Ostrogothic king that descended from the Gothic ancient and noble house Amali, who dominated a vast territory in southeastern south. Wow. In southwestern Europe, southeastern Europe was the Visigoths, and yep. they crushed many tribes uh, and kingdoms on its way to power. So this was a the Amali was a very powerful house. Um, that was his house, not him. He's just the last one. So he's so he's the killer of the dynasty. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, fantastic. Uh, he makes an appearance in a German book called Translated to A Struggle for Rome. And according to Wikipedia, because I had to really scrape the bottom of the barrel for this one, uh, in the book he is des described as weak and subservient to his wife, Gothelinda, who is portrayed as the true culprit behind Amala or Suntha's murder. <laughs> That's what I got for Legacy. It sounds pretty uh, slim pickings here. I'm so, thinking one for being the last king. 
of well, the Amali yeah. line, and that's a very weak one. Very well, weak. I don't know if he even gets that in my book. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to give him a zero. There you go. All right. All right. Uh, so for time for the big the big total. Yeah. Oh. We don't have to do some hard math on this one. Oh, man. What is it? One plus uh, one plus one. You got, yeah, yeah. You, I think, you wanna, I think, I think you I got think? it. I think I, I think you can, I got you can it. count it on one hand. Yeah, we didn't even have to use two hands. What's the number, Michael? Uh, I think it's three. It is three. <laughs> that's it. That's three. uh, you know, that's impressive in its own right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do we even have to do this next part? Should he be crowned as High King, a minor lord, or burned at the stake? I mean, he's probably not gonna be. Uh, he's probably not gonna burn too well because he's he's at the bot. He's gonna be at the bottom of the. Uh, he's gonna be at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he'd be like kindling. <laughs> he's at the bottom of Lake Bolsena. Oh, there you go. I like that. Yep. We'll throw him there. So we'll burn That's him right. and then throw him in the lake. Oh, that too. Because uh... so yeah, not not exactly a, a glowing recommendation yeah yeah no um any thoughts on this non-existent king and we thought oh my god was his name thorismund was non-existent at least he fought attila the hun this guy did nothing yeah no this was this was truly like uh, the biggest sock puppet of a <laughs> of a king ever yeah like literally did nothing yeah the, absolutely nothing the reason like i didn't just throw this into like a backstory is like this sets up like the next war that we're gonna go through with the next couple of kings so i was like well <laughs> i guess we'll just uh talk about what the romans did during his time because he didn't do shit yeah clearly uh, uh it is kind of you know it, it does uh it is kind of nice because i do kind of recall hearing about either yeah in the past either through like i don't know reading infotainment other things i do recall a little bit about the the belisarius you know kind of like raids uh that kind of like started snaking its way back up through italy um italy so yeah. it's kind of nice to understand why he was so successful at first yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's really easy to succeed yeah. when there's no one attacking you yeah it makes you think that there that he i mean he is he he is a great general but uh like it makes him look so much better than like kind of what he is <laughs> yeah yeah it's I, fun context yeah i think yes yeah i don't some of the worst kings we've had look like a better general than he does well, I, I it's actually really funny because well we also talked how he took out the uh the vandals as well, right? Yeah, correct. Also led by mostly incompetent people. Yeah, correct. Yeah, Gellomer just kept going, Oh, we're gonna destroy you, have all the you know, the places set up and then for some reason just didn't do anything. Yeah. So <laughs> you wonder how I mean, obviously like a pretty, you know, good general overall like how you know how how much did he really how how great was he really i guess in the face of yeah 
yeah. you know, some of the competition that he's had. Yeah, he doesn't become royalty, so we can't do an episode like through the main story. Again, another, we'll just add this to the Patreon pile of, uh, he's a very interesting character. There, you don't even, if, if we don't do it, there's tons of YouTube on him. I mean, I would check yeah. him out. Belisarius's reign is fantastic, and it'll give you a glimpse of what's to come uh in our little channel if you can't wait to see what happens next yeah i'm sure i'm oversimplifying things because again we're looking at the results not the the battle itself for yeah the, you know for most of our content correct so it's uh it's a little bit broad of a view i'm sure he's had some impressive marks it just is really funny because we see from our viewpoint that he's basically been going up against you know the chumps yeah the bench warmers of <laughs> yeah. the of the kings yeah he's like an nfl player going up against the high school player yeah exactly <laughs> so that brings us to the end of a non-entity king let us know what you thought of theoda had did you forget him already because i i sort of did yeah. <laughs> message us uh via messenger on facebook and instagram at quest for power or email us at quest for power pod at gmail.com if you would like to support what we do here please leave a review or subscribe on whatever platform you use we will read every five-star review posted to podchaser.com. We'll have the link in the show notes. As always, thank you very much for spending your valuable time with us. Next episode, we are going to review his usurper, Vitigus. Do you think he's going to have a more effective reign, or is he going to be another name in the history books that deserves to be burned and chucked into the lake? <laughs> Until next time, the king is dead. Long live the king! <laughs> <laughs>